Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vitology Podcast. Ryan, how are you doing here? I'm good, man. Yeah. Great to see you here. It's a sort of busy day. It is a busy day. We, uh, we're starting a few minutes late. It, you know, you don't know that if you're listening to the podcast, uh, but if you're live with us on Facebook, on YouTube, there's, there's crowds of people, there are Ryan, who are, who, who are waiting. Maybe more. In anticipation yes. uh, for us to begin, and here, and, we are. and here we are. So we're finally made it, and so uh, hopefully there's a, a few people joining us. As I, as I see, they they didn't hope they didn't leave us thinking. No, nope, they're not doing it today. Um, yes, busy around here. A lot of things going on. A lot of exciting things going on. Um, I, I hope in in the feed in the podcast feed you saw uh, just got posted. I believe yesterday was a. Uh, was a rebroadcast of last week's seminar. Um, so, uh, just to you know, reiterate this: we we every third Wednesday of every month we have a seminar that we offer, and uh, and this time it was about the Bible. And so, um, in uh, the podcast feed right before this one, you'd see that, and uh, and or on our uh, YouTube page if you go to uh, uh, if you search Emmanuel Faith Community Church. Yeah. on youtube you'll find our youtube page and uh it's posted there as well some great content great. oh my goodness um, it was by dr mark strauss yeah. um who's a professor at bethel seminary and um he worked on the translation committee for the niv translation of the bible he's written a bunch of books he's yeah wicked smart didn't you uh did you introduce him as he wrote the bible I, he wrote the bible he wrote the yeah. bible yeah yes. he wrote the bible <laughs> yeah yeah and he, no, he he, he could he could translate it. most of it actually probably I don't know I'm not yeah. sure if his Hebrew strengths yeah, well but, they don't they're not um, as significant as his Greek yeah for sure that's not a special but they're better than ours combined no doubt no doubt I'm sure um, but yeah New Testament scholar uh, you got to te- you got to take him in classes right yeah I had him for a number of classes um, Greek. Um, a number of uh, New Testament exegesis classes. I okay. did a, um, a special, like a minor in Greek. So, okay. Yeah. So is he this, the type of guy, like professor, that you would kind of take anything he taught? That was, yes, absolutely. Okay. And um, anything I saw Mark teaching, I was uh, signing up for. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's did cool. You have professors like Oh, that? yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, and they say if you're ever taking classes, whether I mean, I'd say college also, but you you take the professor, not the class. Not the class. You Amen know? to that. That that's gold. Those right are there. To live by. You See? got your money's worth you got- out of this podcast. <laughs> you don't take classes. You take professors. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because it doesn't. I you know, there's some professors. It didn't matter what they taught. Uh, it was just phenomenal. And there were some professors. It didn't matter what they taught. It was not phenomenal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so if if the class fills up every time, then you know something's going on here. So yeah. get on that waiting list, right? Yep. There, so there it is. to all the college students out there, future seminary students, which actually, there might be one listening um, right now, but uh, that's, I think that's, that's You're welcome. good advice. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and so... Um, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time talking about uh, uh, last week's sermon. In fact, it's kind of gonna be a jump off diving board, I guess, uh, yeah. springboard to talk about some great questions. Um, now we haven't even talked about this. So the big thing is, I mean, do we go through this? 
and get to some of those questions, or do we go back to answer some of the Bible seminar questions first? Let's do um, a lightning round with Bible. Lightning Bible round. Okay. I don't know if you can hear the drums, but... That's just a way of adding a caveat to say, if this isn't as complete of an answer as you're hoping for, it's a lightning round. It's a lightning round. Okay. All right. Ooh, all right. You... Did are you we, ask? Are we both answering these, or is it just? Uh, sure, sure. Right, okay, good, good. <laughs> we can, we can uh, hit them. Yeah. Um, did you ask the Ten Commandments question? No. Oh, this no. is good. Okay, it was highlighted. It was the last thing that the next question to be asked. Okay, here it oh, is. Oh no, wait. Did we? Did I ask it? I thought you meant did I write it? We. Did yeah, we it. did write. Yeah. We got to yeah, it. Yeah, okay. It was that. very close. Yeah. The question was: Was the Ten Commandments just for Israelites? Well, and so, what what would you say to that? You know. Um, I, I mean, I think I remember him saying it now, now that I'm I'm getting at that. There were some things that are not for us, seemingly so, or at sure. least one thing yeah. that we can point to, which is the Sabbath, right. um, that Jesus seems to um, kind of validate all of them. Mm-hmm. And that one, he doesn't quite say this is it. He, he kind of breaks it. So that's where I would have been in class. I'm like, hey. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So Jesus doesn't tell you to command people to keep the Sabbath. Yes. So what he says is, listen, the Sabbath wasn't made for man, right? Like yes. you, you, you're, you don't have to do it, but, um, or sorry, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Yes. Sabbath was made for the man, made mm-hmm. for man, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to keep it, but why wouldn't you want to? Yes. That's sort of the implication of that, in my opinion, right? Yeah. Like you've been given this gift. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So, but it, in that sense, it kind of turns from a commandment to wisdom in a sense, Correct. right? So it's still, uh, it's still important, still valid. It's just not the type of thing where we would say, if you don't do this, you know, then yeah, yeah. then you're in big trouble. Yeah. I would say that my, my answer to that uh, specific question, were the 10 commandments for just the Israelites? I would say yes. Hmm. And yet they are applicable and for all humanity, mm-hmm. right? That's good. So even if Jesus doesn't explicitly reinforce or recommand something in the Sabbath, it would be unwise to break any of the commands, or sorry, in the Ten Commandments. It'd be unwise to break any yeah. of those. Nor, and nor does he suggest that we should, although he interacts with Sabbath a lot differently than they did. He does. In fact, so he, okay, and that's the big question. He Because he breaks the traditional understanding of Sabbath, which yes. they're understanding the Sabbath, which you could say, well, he wasn't actually breaking the original intent of the Sabbath, uh, which I think I'd say that. Yes, I, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so did he really break the Sabbath? No, yeah. <laughs> but he he brings it up to question a little bit, which is so, that's why this is a, a fabulous question. Thank you for whoever yep. asked that. I, I like it a lot. OK, you got your Bible ready? I do. Okay, um, and well, I've got the reference here as well, but um, Matthew five thirty two says this. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The question is, what's your opinion? That's you know, <laughs> That's a tough one. that is a tough one, man. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. So here's the 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 tension point. Uh, as uh-huh. says my mic is my mic volume is low. Ah, that means ah. I'll just scoot closer. Um, the tension point is, uh, in my opinion, 
Jesus makes what seems like a very absolute statement, right? So the only reason that divorce, like to divorce is infidelity um, or adultery, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and yet, yet when this isn't the only passage in the scriptures on divorce. Nope. And nope. so when Paul starts to talk about divorce, um, I believe that that's in first Corinthians seven. We're going to get there actually that's right. in our time of study like uh, in a few right? months. Yeah. Yep. Um, he mentions more reasons. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says only for this reason. And Paul says, yep, for adultery or infidelity and for desertion. And so the question is, um, was Jesus right or Paul right? <laughs> and, and that's a tricky question. And the way that we read this text is very, very absolute. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet, when you look at the Hebrew covenant of marriage, mm -hmm. actually, even still today, it's, it's not based on this passage or it's based on Exodus chapter 21, verse 11, that talks about the mm -hmm. fact that the covenant of marriage is built on um, a man providing protection uh, basically feeding. Wow. <laughs> and providing conjugal love making. So the cov Hebrew covenant, and it's in the context of um, when you take a slave as a wife, you have to provide for her as a wife. Okay. So you have to, you have to give her shelter. You have to give her food and you have to make love to her. You have to treat her like one of your wives. And it actually became the text that is the foundation of Hebrew marriage vows even today. So, wow. um, I, let me plug a book. <laughs> Come on. This is a book that I, I sent my seminary professors a note after seminary and said, gosh, this is a book I really wish you would have had us read from a pastoral point of view about divorce and remarriage. Oh. It's called Divorce and Remarriage in the Church. It's by David Instone Brewer. Okay. He He's the one that turned me on to this idea uh, of where the Hebrew marriage vows come from. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so um, his perspective would be, that the scriptures aren't intending to give an exhaustive list of every single reason for divorce, but rather that when the covenant of marriage is broken, that God gives us divorce mm -hmm. because of the hardness of our hearts. Mm. And that's Matthew 19. Mm -hmm. So this isn't Jesus's only word on divorce as far as from him either. Yeah. So that's my, he asked for my opinion on it. That's my opinion on it. Yeah. There you go. So it's not his only word. Yeah, it's no. not his only word on it. And um, it we need to read it in the context of all of Scripture. That's a yeah. That's a that's a great so, way. To and part say of the pa my pastoral heart in saying that is um, there are some men who have been very abusive um, physically, emotionally, and in, in a lot of ways, and will point at Matthew five and say, "Well, I haven't cheated on her, so she can't biblically leave me." Yeah, and. Um, I would just gently push back and say, I don't know that that's the way Jesus would answer if you asked him that question. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, you know I mean? knowing the context behind this um, would be so nice. All right. Cause you know, I have a lot of questions about that. Is he, is he only talking to people who are wanting divorce for trivial reasons? Yeah. And he's saying, no, 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 you got, you know, cause that you'd say that a lot stronger if you're talking to a crowd of people who is wanting to uh, abuse a divorce in like one side of this. Than you would if you know for someone who was a um, 
you know, if he had a crowd of people who were beating, beating their wives and he said this, we would we'd probably think that's ah, not you know, Jesus, you're missing the point somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I would definitely say Jesus doesn't miss the point. So um, he's he's probably talking to people who are who are. Uh, yeah, we're looking at divorce in a in a um, in a different way. So, you know, here we have to take this um, understanding, understanding grace. One of the my the, the, theology professors um he looked at all of these passages with us. And I remember the, the practical side of theology is where mm -hmm. um, whenever we have a theological statement, we have to decide in a sense, um, can you, um, can you say that to someone sitting across from you? Yes. That's you a know? great question. And that that's the pastoral side. And so now, um, and of course you can, um, but is it helpful to them um, in their place? And so um, I think that there's, this is where, this is where grace abides, right? In Amen. all of these things. And so, um, you know, if you're out there and this is, you know, you feel like this applies to you, um, grace is available to you. Okay. That's what we're saying. That's what we're getting at. Um, how we go about applying these things. We want to be very, um, uh, we, we want to be uh, very clear about the fact that this is, this is God's word and we, uh, we believe it. And at the same time, we want to say, uh, grace is available yeah and yeah and I, you make a great point about the context too because there was a context that was going on mm -hmm. where you had um some rabbis who were more more liberal yes. quote unquote and they would say you can divorce your wife for any reason doesn't matter right she burns the toast which is the typical rabbinic, yes like, yes um uh, example no problem divorce her mm -hmm. um and then you had rabbis who um were a lot more conservative quote unquote mm -hmm. and who said nope there's no good reason mm -hmm. um uh, or no reason to divorce and so jesus is sort of speaking into that yeah and he doesn't side with either of the rabbis he really starts to unpack and he does this more in matthew 19 Got it. what's behind the what's Got behind it. it and the heart of the matter which he always goes to rather than just speaking to well here's a list of reasons why and here's a list of reasons why not and, yeah you know yeah so there was a larger context yep. which is really important yep david instrum brewer by the way does a great job unpacking that. that's right uh, yeah okay I, i've i've heard some of this it's it's really cool okay yeah. um that's a that wasn't lightning that was not lightning <laughs> um, but that's a great question uh okay I'm just going down in order here. What, and I, you know, I have no, some of these may be great questions. There are bad questions, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's not answer <laughs> They those. tell you those. Um, so if I get to one and I read it and then we say, nah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> what is the role of the Holy Spirit to help anyone? What is the role of the Holy Spirit to help anyone and everyone understand and interpret the Bible without understanding the context of the text? Okay. I believe this question is trying to get in that. Um, we do some work. Mm -hmm. We're trying, I mean, we try to encourage work. That was what the seminar was all about in some senses is, uh, you know, you need to understand context. Okay. Um, anytime we study the Bible. Um, and yet the Holy Spirit is there also. Yeah. Maybe the question is getting at how, what's the interplay. And if, if the Holy Spirit is there helping us, why do we need to do all this work? Yeah. Um, or vice versa. Right. Yeah. And, and I would say that very rarely, if ever is the, the reality that the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit 
an excuse to not really show up and pour your heart and soul into something. And I would say the same is true of scripture, that the more that we accurately understand and the more that we know, the more the spirit has to draw from, the deeper the well the Mm -hmm. spirit has to draw from to bring up the water to Mm -hmm. go, all right, here's what's going on and Mm -hmm. here's what God would want to say to you. And um, so I would say that this is a beautiful divine human partnership. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can show up, the more the spirit has to work within our life to form and shape us into the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. So he is the ultimate teacher um, but he'll often use experiences, information, knowledge, et cetera, in order to point us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like the the yeah combination of the two. I think it has to be that. You know, it's what Jesus was. Yeah. Right. Yep. Jesus was the this miraculous combination of God man, and yet, you know, you would have if we would have been there watching Jesus. We wouldn't have got a whole lot from him because we don't speak Aramaic, right? So there's a even that context of like, yeah. you know, you've got to you've got to know. We would have seen some cool stuff, I guess, but unless he gave you the gift of tongues, unless he gave you the yes, see, there you go. I guess interpreting interpreting tongues. There, yes, specific. yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, we'll get good. to that later that's on good. in Corinthians, though. That's yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Okay, we did talk about. First Timothy two. Yep, I'm going so, with Mark's answer on that. There yep. you go. You have to go you watch, go listen watch. to the last yep. episode. Uh, okay, Jesus seems to use. Um, it seems like he's using manipulation, manipulative tactics to speak to people at times. Fear tactics, specifically. Uh, that's the the fear tactic. I'm guessing he's thinking of this. This or he or she is asking is uh, is the fear of hell even. Um, what's your opinion on this? Um, I would say that there's a good fear and a bad fear, huh. a good kind of fear and a bad yeah. kind of fear, right? So, um, if a lion is chasing you, huh. uh, then it's okay to be fearful and to run faster, right? Yes. The bad kind of fear though, is when we, um, operate in that sort of flight um, mentality when there's no lion there. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't fear, um, oftentimes in the scriptures is like, well, that's not the logical response to reality. Right. Or, or, um, what Jesus often does is he invites us deeper into a reality Hmm. that, um, would then, so should we fear hell? Um, I think that's a healthy fear. Um, and yet yeah. he tells us how not to fear it. Right. Yeah. So he he addresses the fear, calls it out and then leads us forward. Yeah. And so I, I would say, um, as far as the, other, any other seemingly manipulative tactics, um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what some of those might be. Right? You know, interesting as you, as you think about that, I remember, uh, it, uh, at Biola University, uh, philosophy class, we had to write a paper. The question was, was Jesus an egoist? Hmm. Okay. Meaning, uh, was he using, um, using like something that would be good for you in order to, to get you to, to make a decision. Right. Um, and actually it, there's a lot of those things that you could do. So, and some of that and egoism would be 
um, you know, choosing something for the fear of hell would also be an egoistic choice. Like it, right. it, it is better for me now. Hedonistic in a sense, right? Hedonistic yeah. even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I am scared of hell. Now there, th this is a debate and, um, it was a fun thing to talk through because Jesus does clearly uses a lot of other not egoistic, like things like take up your cross and follow me. Right. Yeah. That's, that's he, he's giving you no, <laughs> there's no manipulation there. In fact, actually it's, it's the exact opposite. It's, but he follows that with, and you'll find out what it means to really live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe, yeah, there is. It's yeah. Some way to, to live. <laughs> that's the tension, right? It is a tension. It's like, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, and that, that's just, it's showing that there's what we call manipulative tactics may not necessarily be truly manipulative and in fact he's not trying to do what the um what a you know what a scam caller will yeah because i think at the at the at sort of the foundational level of manipulation it's trying to get you to do something for my benefit yeah if i try to manipulate you yes. it's for my own benefit yes and so i don't see jesus using manipulative tactics yeah. tactics in that sense like for his benefit. Yes. He's trying to reason with people to help them see reality so that they might align with it and truth and yep. walk in it and experience freedom. Like he was very overt in saying that his goal is that people would have life and have it to the full. Mm -hmm. And that, that I don't sense a manipulation in that mm -hmm. in the least, actually. In fact, it's yeah non-egotistic. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's other-centered. Even if from the user standpoint, it feels like, well, I'm doing this in a hedonistic sense, I think you're just probably aligning with reality and living into who God has made you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Cause I mean, whatever happens, it didn't benefit him a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Right. No, he got killed. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he got killed. He died penniless. Yeah. Um, you know, someone said homeless and, uh, and got killed in the most brutal way possible. So yeah, ah, there you go. Any of those other good ones or what, what time are we at? Okay. We are, uh, half hour. Okay. Uh, oh man, we got head covering for women. We kind of hit on that. We're going to address that in First Corinthians eleven. There you go. Uh, okay, we talked about same-sex marriage. Oh, you're going to have to go back and listen to that. That was that was his, some good one. His answer was wonderful for that. Yes, wonderful. Um, okay, if if scholars aren't sure about the purpose of some of the passage, this passage is about, about, okay, about women, or, I mean, I think this is about anything. Why do people tend to hold on to mm -hmm. traditional understandings of them so strongly? Okay. Cause I could think of a number of things that this, that would apply to. Yeah. Um, Cause what he was very clear is that scholars are debating and yet there's a sense in which people default to, well, if it was said, mm -hmm. you know, you know, 50 years ago, then we're going to hold on to it today. Right. So said 100 years ago, you know. Um, why? I, I don't know. Uh, I think that there's some safety and certainty. Uh, mm. There's uh, an, a desire to honor tradition, right? So to deviate from that, I think for some people, there's um, this is it's a way of understanding scripture that um, when we deviate from that, there's this um, in some people's minds, a danger of a slippery slope, mm -hmm, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think the thing I struggle with most, Josh, though, is that it seems to me that within one passage, one like verses right, you know, 
butted up against each other that some of them Hmm. people will want to interpret very um, literally and explicitly for today. Mm -hmm. And then others uh, in the exact same passage, they'll want to say, nope, that was cultural. And I don't think that's good hermeneutics. I don't think it's honest. Um, And I I think it, in my opinion, shows a, a sense of agenda to try to hold on to something that maybe we know isn't really worth holding on to. Yeah. So, well, and that leads right into the, the last question we'll do from that, that night, you guys, um, some great ones. So here's the thing that I would say in, yeah. in summary, I would say, if you interpret a passage, literally interpret the whole thing, literally, there you go and apply the whole thing. Literally. There you go. Try to have some in, internal consistency, not within the whole Bible. Cause yeah. I do think that there's different genres and all that, but within the same passage, hermeneutically, you owe it to your the yourself yeah. to have a consistency to say, well, if I'm going to interpret this and apply this literally, I should probably apply that literally also. And if I can't apply that literally also, then, then maybe. maybe I should rethink whether or not I apply that first thing literally. Anyway, that's that's right. And so that that is actually the question. Um, okay. Do you think that in certain cases, people ought to look at the Bible more metaphorically now, they're saying? So um, because of that issue, should we should we just be thinking of it more metaphorically and watch out for uh, literary symbols, techniques embedded in there? And I think this is, well, uh, my, my, I think we should read the Bible. I don't think we should read the Bible. I, uh, I don't think we should read the whole Bible literally. Mm-hmm. I think we should read the Bible literarily, which means that we honor the genre mm-hmm. that's being written in. And there are some genres that are designed to be read literally. And I think we should read those literally. And I, and there are some that are not designed to be read literally, but we should read them literarily, meaning we should try to understand what the original author's original intent was, you know? Yep. So I think, I don't think there's actually going to be a dragon that climbs out of the sea and that's depicted in revelation. And yet I believe that what John is writing will what he intends to say will happen will happen it's really disappointing i wanted to see a dragon that well no i didn't a dragon i wouldn't want to be virgin. there yeah you know it's like <laughs> i don't think okay, i'd want to well, be there maybe this yeah yeah that's a no, that's a great point and i do think we we undermine the uh the beauty of the bible yeah when we take it when we try to apply it all literally right because i mean just think about it you guys the the best literature is the is the things that have uh you know meanings behind the things right totally the yeah. best literature is what kind of make you read it and you kind of think about it and you go oh that's what's happening yes and when we when we kind of i hate to say this this sounds terrible when we dumb it down yeah you just sort of literal, flatten it flatten it yeah um it just it takes away some of the power it does. And now, and not to say that, uh, so not say everything should be. So the question, you know, should we look at the Bible more metaphorically? Uh, I think you're, I mean, not necessarily. No, not we, necessarily. We, sh- we shouldn't take everything metaphorically. Right. Um, the cross was not a metaphor. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a number of those things that we just wouldn't say. Yep. And yet, at the same times, there's, there's great metaphors about the cross. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. Uh, take up your cross. Yes. You know, so it it starts to be used in, in a way that isn't, isn't just yes, literal, right? Yes. 
um yeah yeah so yeah okay um all right well let's uh Let's dive into uh, this week's sermon then, and because we still have some more questions, and we are oh man, we're halfway through today's episode. Let's, va- let's so, uh, would you give us a yeah? A I'll, I'll give you a really quick summary. Really quick summary. So Paul, um, we're in First Corinthians, uh, still in chapter one. Mm-hmm. We'll be again mm-hmm. this week, and if you're going, this is going to be a long series. Maybe Heck yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I do have to ask. You did start by singing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and we don't dog about Bruno. No, no, no. I mean, I've, I've actually heard talked to a number of people who have seen that movie since. Oh, really? Since yes. you referenced it, I have not seen it yet. You haven't seen it? No, oh, you got to see it. It's good. I, I need to. It's good. Um, you know, the ending, if they would have asked for my advice, I would have maybe suggested a different direction, but they didn't ask. I'm not giving anything away. No, surprising. Walt didn't call me and say, Hey, what's the deal? Um, But okay, so I, I did start off though with. Um, a reference to Encanto, yeah. and um, because the movie is about a family that's divided, and there's yeah, a number of a, different reasons for that. Time. And ah. uh, anyway, and one of the songs we don't talk about Bruno hit number four on the Billboard Top 100 list, and it's just a fun song. It's a great song, and uh, but the passage is about unity. Okay. All right, so really quick, this is just a side note. Um, I did this like really long joke, right? Yeah, about yeah oh, I know that was good. Okay, so. I thought so too. Um, well, I used it because I liked it. I thought, yeah. you know, not like it, that I told it well. I just thought it was hilarious. So each morning service, I told, I tell it and people laugh, right? Oh, They're yeah. like dialed in. Yeah. I told it at the five. Nobody oh, laughed. Really? And so this is like a minute long joke that like builds on itself. Yes. yes. And oh, because it, it's all about the... They're like, and I'm, I'm, I said to them, <laughs> you guys are off. I don't <laughs> care who you are. That's, that's funny. That's number one. Gold. And number two, it took me like an hour to memorize that. <laughs> and then they started laughing, but they were laughing at me, yes, not, with not you, at huh? the joke. No. <laughs> anyway. You know, I wonder if it, because it has it has a lot to do with all the different denominations, strife, yeah. and maybe there's a lot of younger folks. I would have thought, <laughs> even if you were yeah. totally, that you would dialed in, that you were like in in the loop with those debates that you would at least think it was funny. That's, I didn't think it was yeah. funny. Interesting. But uh, I just think that's on them. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah that's their fault, not yeah. mine. <laughs> it reminded me, though, why I very rarely tell jokes in sermons. So, like, I like I will make comments that I think are funny, yes. right? Um, or, and I'll say things that are, are funny, but I won't tell a joke with the intention of it being Big funny joke. for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, you thought about bringing your jokes up a notch I after did. the after I, the ten forty five, but then, 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 yeah, you got you got humbled. I got humbled. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so divisions, and okay. I do think that this question of denominationalism, yeah, is one that um, that's worth wrestling with and thinking through in light of what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Hmm. I mean, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos um, and I follow Cephas sounds a whole lot like I am a Lutheran. Who do I follow? If I follow, if I'm a Lutheran, I'm following Luther. Luther, Right. And then, you know, Methodist, well, it doesn't carry the name of Wesley. It certainly reflects his theology, Presbyterian, Mm -hmm. Calvin. Right. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of these, um, 
<laughs> we put Jan's comment up there. Oh, yeah. I'm just seeing She's this. right. She is so right. She's so right. Uh, went over the heads yes. of five. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it's a, funny a funny joke, joke. Jan. Um, very nice of you. So I, I do think that there's some <laughs> reckoning, some wrestling that the church has to do with this idea that we, we have, um, in many ways, um, organizationally, like we have gathered ourselves around these people, like follow, pe following people mm -hmm. and created denominations around their theology. And I just wonder um, what, what God thinks about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a yeah, great. So okay. Nancy's idea is that, um, do you think God uses our divisions to reach more people? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I think that there, I, I don't know that he doesn't, but I do know that his prayer wasn't, yeah. I pray that you would be divided yeah. so that you would be more effective in your evangelism. Yeah. Right. I, His prayer was just the opposite. I pray that you would be united and therefore would be, the world would know that I'm the Christ, mm -hmm, right? That God, mm -hmm. that I'm God's son. Yeah. So I know, I think it's a great point that, that even though, uh, we do dumb things and divide over silliness. Okay. Cause there's a lot of silly things that churches have divided over, you know, some serious things, but, uh, those divisions have created opportunities to reach more people, but think about how many more we could reach if we were united. Yeah. I like, think that's the thing we don't know. Yeah. I think it's an argument in a sense from silence because we don't know how many we'd reach united. Exactly. Right? We that's only know how many people are reached divided. Yeah. But we also know that Jesus said unity would be the way. I know that people. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a good observation that, that God does still use it, but. And I'm not saying that denominationalism is necessarily evil or, or entirely wrong. I'm just, I, I do think it would benefit us to rethink the. Um, yeah. Now, and there's, you say denominationalism, um, you know, it's less, it's less divided than mm -hmm. it used to be. I mean, it used to be like you're saying in the story, right? Um, the joke was that, you know, you're a heretic if you're a slightly different denomination. And I think that's probably why some of the younger people didn't quite get that. But that that was that was real. It was like you don't marry across denomination lines. Yep. You barely talk to the other mm -hmm. denomination in the, some of the extreme senses. And now it has a bit more of a sense of the flavor and there seems to be at least progress towards more unity mm -hmm. amongst the the divisions and they which so. means they're less divisions more more flavors yeah which that's not a it's not necessarily a terrible thing no i, I think so I, and 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 especially if within the or interdenominationally people can go oh they're still brothers in christ mm -hmm. and and usually what's going on in a denomination is an emphasis on something Right. And mm -hmm. so they're highlighting one part of the gospel that they go, gosh, this is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And um, so to Nancy's point, potentially somebody could go, gosh, that really resonates with me. And oh, that yeah. touches my heart. Yes. And God woos me and draws me through the highlighting yes. of a certain um, doctrine or yeah. conviction or et cetera. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that could happen. Absolutely. Saw, yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about division, and then we talked about the cross as the great unifier. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I really wanted. I think what Paul's point is here is that, man, that when we gather around the cross, we are drawn to one another. Um, and I just highlighted three things: the cross um, exalts the right person, 
Jesus, elevates the right doctrine, crucifixion, mm. and calls us to embrace the right mission, reconciliation. Mm. And so those are the three things that I really wanted to draw out of this text. And um, I don't know, Josh, I, for me, it felt like, gosh, I it made me grateful to be a Jesus follower, that mm. there's a so much that and we'll talk about it even more this week that Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Mm. And the power of that is um, incomparable. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 I love I love it how this in, in this one next week, this it's it's the power of the cross. Yeah, that not just as the event that happened. OK, which there, that's that's the foundational power, but there's something more to it. Right. And and yeah. what it does in us now, mm -hmm. that, that reconciliation that it calls us to. Yes. Um, it's I mean, it, it's the it's the thing that has the potential to make us so unique. Right. You know, it's the thing. Interestingly, it's the thing that our world. Seems to really long for. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and I say our world, meaning, you know, the um, the in a lot of unchristian ways um, they're not founded in Christian ideals or anything else. They're longing for some sort of reconciliation, yeah. like, you know, a unity there. It's, it's very, you know, having people of different races and different ethnicities and different languages come together is something that is beautiful, not just for Christians, mm -hmm. right? It's a very, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a longing, it's a longing. And yet here we are, uh, the church has the means to make that happen. Yes. And sadly, that's still the most, one of the most divided hours, right? Right. And that, that was right. the, the uh, Martin Luther King. Yeah. So I think, let me try this out on you Come before on. I try it out on Sunday. Um, okay. <laughs> so when, when the apostle Paul says that the cross is the wisdom of God. Okay. Um, I, I think, I, I sense him saying two like things that are running parallel to one another, or at least connected to one another. One is that what Jesus did on the cross mm -hmm. um, 2,000 plus years ago displayed God's wisdom, right? Okay. It, it showed God's wisdom as a, being above human wisdom. Okay. But I think the way of the cross is wisdom today also. Hmm. So it's not just what Jesus did on the cross that displays God's wisdom. It's that when we take up our cross and follow Jesus daily, that we actually live in the wisdom that God designed us to live in as human beings. As if to say, it's actually more wise to let go than it is to hmm. try to control. It's actually more wise to love instead of try to dominate. Hmm. That you actually walk into victory when you lay your life down rather than when you try to fight for every last right, that there's the way of the cross is still the way of wisdom. It wasn't just wisdom then. And then, well, now it's no, now it's not, no, it's, it's still is uh, wisdom thoughts. I, yeah. Well, I, I want to know what, uh, what you all think there. I, I think that's a, I, I think that really does hit at something for a number of reasons. And the thing that's striking me right now is that when we don't do that, when we don't live that way, that's when the church gets labeled a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. That's when we 
that's when we, we mess up a lot. When we live in the way of power, um, that's when the church messes up in, in kind of worldly power, when we try to build our own kingdoms and all those things, yeah, yeah. Um, which churches do that. People do that, that are, you know, they're Christians, all those things that that's when we kind of um, isolate this idea that I need to believe something that Jesus did. And that's the only important thing. Um, but I can live this other way. Yeah. Like as if somehow even because I believe that, that frees me up to live wherever I want, you know? Yeah. And that's the worst kind of, it's the worst kind of Christianity. It is. Religious, religiosity in a sense. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause we might even go, is it Christianity? Is it Christianity? Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. and I think Paul huh. reflects the way of the cross when he says, um, in my weakness, I'm made strong. Hmm. Right. So when, when Paul makes the point, not only that the cross is the wisdom of God, but that the cross is the power of God. Hmm. I think he's also saying he's, he's reiterating what Paul would then say he's applying to his life yeah. when I'm weak. Yeah. And I don't know how much more hmm. of a weak position you can be in when you're being crucified. I'm actually strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause that's when his power flows through us. Yeah. So it's not just, uh, once again, not just a powerful event. You know, um, that happened back then. I, very much, it was a powerful event, right? Yeah. Very much something something happened. I love how uh, Anti Wright says it that that at, you know at six o'clock on on that Friday evening, the the, the world was changed. Mm -hmm. It was a different world, right? Um, yeah. That was a powerful event, and yet it's it's the power of, of that of us living that cross life that is. That is wisdom. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah, I, I think too of like Galatians 2.20, right? Where Paul says, I have been crucified with mm. Christ. So he's referring to what happens in him because of mm -hmm. what happened to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And the life I live. So he goes, all right, let's apply the crucifixion to how I live today. The life I live, I live through the son of God who mm. loved me and gave himself for me, yeah. right? So there's this... Um, both what happened and then what happens mm -hmm. and both are really really important that's right that's right man i like that a lot so that's that's a little uh a little preview, teaser huh yeah little teaser i'm still wrestling with it a little bit but, but. that's what happened that's that's what happens i mean you know uh carolyn before was saying yay to long series is yeah right um but that's what happens in a long series you get to you get to yeah, see some of those connections um for the wrong because this won't be the the last i mean this no this theme, no no, no. Continues. But one of the things I do, I'm I'm trying to, one of the reasons I chose and we chose First Corinthians is because of the way that it addresses very real issues, right? Yeah. In a practical way. And what I'm noticing is, oh yeah, but there's a theological foundation that's laid yeah. before he ever starts to address those theological. And, and that's more evident in books like Ephesians, right? Where you can almost split the book in half and it's like theology mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, practice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I... I I'm seeing it more as I study first Corinthians than I originally had thought. Hmm. So that's really sort of cool. fun. That's really cool. And that's where like, we've got, I think four or five <laughs> sermons in the first chapter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, not every chapter will get five sermons. Yes. But yeah, uh, this is, this is foundational. This, this stuff. is one of them. Oh man. Uh, Could you imagine doing five sermons on chapter five? <laughs> anyway. If you want to, if you want to see why that's funny, go read chapter five and, and you'll see why it gets one. You won't want to. <laughs>
<laughs> you won't want to hear five sermons. Well, you might have five sermons of questions about yeah, chapter five. I mean, I, I could see that. That might be a long podcast. Yes. Um, okay. Now, um, you brought up the idea of essentials, and I'm now I'm going back to think about oh, yeah. where exactly that fits. Yep. Um, and and there's a, a great quote. It's um, G, it it fit under the it exalts the right person. That's right. That's right. right. Okay. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, the right doctrine. The right doctrine. The right doctrine. Okay. So there's a, a there's a wrong doctrine. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so uh, we did have a question come in about that. Um, not about there being a wrong doctrine. That was just a, not even a joke. That's just dumb. Uh, so uh, in essentials, unity. Um, Non-essentials, liberty. Okay. Uh, freedom, right? Liberty, mm-hmm. freedom. Um, in all things, charity. So um, in essentials, there's unity. Yeah. And that, that's where we find that the unity together now. And that begs the big question is what uh, what John brings up. Um, he says in their in their small group, as they were talking about this sermon, they got into a, a big discussion about the essentials versus non-essentials. Oh, and they that's, started. That's where small groups are so fun, oh, you I know, know, and where you I can know. really dig in. And... I know. Um, they in fact they started laughing and joking i just i think I, that's great yes a small group it is in fact it is um i think small groups need to laugh and joke um at least as much as they uh study the bible amen i'm you know yes uh, that's a great thing maybe maybe eat a little bit and yeah. you know I, that's awesome i love it um and so uh they were joking about how this is how that we get denominations right and that that's the because <laughs> one group says this is essential and the other group says it's not or yeah. Maybe worse, they're saying no. The other side is essential, right? And right. So yeah, that is how denominations come in. So now, so he's just saying, um, how do you both de- uh, define what is essential and non versus non-essential? Um, how do we conclude on our agree on the differences, or how do we mm-hmm. agree on them um, between essential and non-essential? It's a big question, huge question. Um, so, but he's not the first to ask it, no, no. right? And I think that's the really beneficial part of the question is, how has the church attempted to do that in mm-hmm. the past? Has mm-hmm. it has it done it so perfectly? No, it hasn't. Um, and my answer to that would be that the Apostles' Creed is the church's historic attempt at trying to identify what the essentials are. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, I quoted from the creed and and when it said that uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic or the church of all time, mm-hmm. Holy Catholic church and the communion of saints, right? That's yeah. right out of the apostles creed, but it's not the only thing that's in the creed, you know? And so the creed really was the church's early, early attempt to try to get in a written form, the core doctrine that they mm-hmm. would say, we, we believe in this we believe in this so that would be one of my answers to that mm-hmm. um i think i would start there if i was trying to make a list of essentials um and um are i wonder are there any of those in there that you'd say that's debated yes <laughs> so okay this is a great question um are there ones I that i'd say are debated? do you want to talk about that on the air or off? Yeah, right right <laughs> um <laughs> So okay, this is this is a great question that um, I I think there's and it, it involves two questions, okay? And in some sense, we've got to break it down a little bit. What is essential, and um, 
why would something be essential? So in other words, like, um, is it essential so that you, you know, get to heaven or something? So like, um, in other words, if you were to believe the opposite, would you then be not a Christian? That's a good way of putting it essential. And so, um, and I think that puts it in a different, a little bit different category. And I, so I'd say there's even Which fewer things. Which was not things. the attempt that's not, of it, the Apostles' Creed. No, no, no. That's not the. That's they not weren't what they're necessarily to do. going for. What's the least yes. you can believe and still be a follower of Jesus? Yeah, and it it even this question, uh, which is one that is debated a lot, and um, it gets into some interesting ideas. Because are we really saved because of what we believe? <laughs> right. This is this is tricky. Um, uh, because there's people who believe wrong things and are following Jesus, um, but because is God going to like give them a test and say, "Well, you know, did you believe that that you know <laughs> I was the pre-incarnate Son of God versus whatever?" You know, it, it's just going to be like, you know, they're going to say they might look back and say, no, "I believed in you." <laughs> it's like yeah. the it's like the, uh, um, the the blind man who's healed, and uh, Jesus says um, <laughs> he says, "Do you know?" you know the son of man no show me and i'll 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 follow him right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and he's talking to him right there right i mean it's 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 not necessarily about the the um, amount of belief but at the same time when there's doctrines that a church believes that a church or, or institution or or a body of people that gets into tricky areas yeah and that's i think where this question is really really important because i think there there definitely are groups of people who believe the wrong things. Yeah. Well, Michael Bird wrote a great book on the Apostles' Creed, and his subtitle is What Christians Ought to Believe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. You almost have him like going, like, not everyone does, but they ought to. They right? ought to it's, believe this. This is, this is what yeah. we ought to believe. Yeah. So, well, so, um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful summary that um has uh, has kind of stayed the test of time right yeah um you know it's got uh it's got a lot of um of of great obviously great things now some of the questions become um are they are they all okay are they all exactly what i'd call essential or can we disagree on some of them yeah you've already are said there some you yeah whether or not i do i don't i'm not saying i do disagree i'm just saying that and here's uh, One the other foot. part if someone did, mm -hmm. I would not say they're necessarily not a part of the, the faith. Okay. Okay. In the same way, um, I think those are some of those things could be considered non-essential. Now, I, I won't go into exactly which ones necessarily, um, but uh, there's, a, there's a number of things. So, um, I, you know, here's I, I've got a seminar on this um, nice. and I, I came up with I think I thought I put six anyway. Um, it's, you titled it five. I did title five, <laughs> but I thought I added, I think I, you know what I did? Maybe somebody in the class went, what about, yeah, and you're yeah. like, yeah, I should change it. Six. I think I added <laughs> six on the fly because, um, so God is triune. Okay. And, um, this has, so this is one of those, um, what do you call that? When it, it has all sorts of other beliefs in it. Yeah. It's a, a keystone. It's a doctrine. keystone, right? It yeah. is really, really big. Um, because it it actually you could just say God is triune and then Jesus is fully God and fully man. Um, those are two separate doctrines in theory, but in mm -hmm. they really come together in a lot of ways. So uh, Jesus is fully God, fully man. Um, the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so that that's one of those things. Like 
if we don't have the resurrection, um, our faith is futile, right? What about the cross? Are you, is that one event? So the, the resurrection implies the cross. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. That would be, that's how okay. I would say it. Yeah. Um, salvation by grace through faith. Okay. Okay. So uh, it, you cannot overtly believe in that I work my way to salvation. Um, and, and part of this is there's no, this is where we're in unity with, uh, we're in unity with Catholics on all these things, yeah. I'll say. Um, well, that, and that whole, I'm going to get into that a little bit um, in this next uh, passage for this week, where the cross is the power of God, what, uh, you know, and how does that power contrast and oftentimes conflict with the way that we view power um, today? Yeah. So, yeah. And even the way I say this, the, I said the Bible is our authority. And I almost just want to say the Bible's our book. Um, mm. It's not, you know, the way, because even debating on how it's our authority could become an issue that splits people. But it's a, we're a Bible, we're a Bible Interesting. people. Yeah. Right. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of the idea. You now it's fascinating. None of the early church creeds, probably because there wasn't a Bible at the yeah, time, yeah. Um, when they when the Apostles' Creed, at least in its first version, was written, no reference no to reference. Scripture. I know, I know. And yet, it's getting to the story. So that's it is. the part. It's now, telling the story. Yeah. Exactly how it is that. But the, okay, the last one that, that I would add is that it's is something about lived out in love. That you cannot, you cannot just believe these things mm. that, and be Christian. Yeah. You know, you've got to... You've got to be doing doing what you can to love, right? Doing your best to love. There's so an there's ethical six. side. There you go. I, know. I like that. I need six. She makes seven. And there's it's what's fun is having a conversation like this, and then getting people to ask and like you know why isn't this in there? Josh, I noticed that the virgin birth isn't in there. Yeah, it's what, in the what's Apostles' going on Creed. With that? Right? It is in the Apostles' Creed. Now I'm not saying I don't believe that. It's what's not in here is you know anything about like Adam and Eve. Right. And like like creation, there's a lot of things like that, that that people can divide over. Nothing about predestination in here. Yep. even even my wording on salvation, I've tried to kind of weed out some of the the, the terminology that people use that kind of define those yeah. issues. So I don't know. It's a, it's an if you disagree with Josh on this one, it's a good um experiment project to do right Absolutely. write your own list of yes. what's essential yes um and and define what you mean by that right because i think yeah. what you one of the things you mentioned was uh, oh. that's that can be an ambiguous term are we talking about essential for salvation what are we what are we talking about here um because uh, i mean essentially john gets to the end of his book yeah. uh, about jesus called the gospel of john and he says um these things are written so that you might believe yep that he's the Christ and that by believing you might have life in his name. So John assumes that if John is all you have, John is all you need because mm -hmm. he's not writing it as a part of a collection or library mm -hmm. to be read in light of the whole. He's writing it as a standalone biography about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he's, he's convinced if John's all you have, John's all you need. Yep. So if it's about salvation, in John's opinion, it's you got, you got to find it in his letter. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, that's that's good actually. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And you can. And you can. and you can. Agreed. Agreed. Man.
All right. Okay. You brought a book. Well, okay. Yes, I did bring a book. You know, as I was listening, as as I was, you know, uh, in church listening to the sermon, um, the we didn't get to go into as much about the, um, oh, the the divisions that can happen, or maybe those are even behind the scenes and unspoken. It's not like you mm-hmm. declared those, um, and yet. It just it just got me thinking about a book that that I just finished reading, um, and so I didn't I don't actually have it I have it on my phone. Um, it's about a, a it's called a church called Tove, and uh, a church called Tove. This is this is by Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer, his daughter. Yeah. Um, and uh, he Scott McKnight is a is an Anglican, um, but he's a professor at uh, Northern yeah. Sem. An area, yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, um, New Testament scholar written some like 70 books or something yeah. crazy. Like, just he's one of these guys that just it just he, like books come out of him, right? It's uh, ridiculous, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, written some great, great books, but okay, this book is called A Church Called Tove. The Tove is the Hebrew word for good. Um, oh, beautiful word tov. throughout scripture uh in the beginning when when god says that his creation is good he says it is tov it's tov it is tov so um and it was tov so now what he's saying is that that a church should be a place where tov happens hmm. where goodness happens Came into that. and yeah. uh and and he gets into some of the issues today so if you've if you've listened to things like the mars hill uh podcast uh, the, uh, the one, um, the recent one that we just, we've just talked about, we've recommended it, the podcast about, uh, Liberty. Oh, and, um, oh gangster capitalism. Oh, goodness, you guys, we didn't recommend, we didn't recommend, one, yeah. should, should I, not? <laughs> I did not recommend you listen to gangster, uh, gangster capitalism season, season three. three. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, actually that one is pretty brutal and pretty, um, there's a lot in there. It's a, it's not, there's a, um, a lot of warnings in there, but it is about um, church culture in some ways. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily about church, but um, there's been a lot of hurt in the church. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, well-known leaders have um, abused their position in the church um, uh, over the last few years um, in churches around, and uh, and so this book really gets at the heart of um, what was going on there. How we can be a church that corrects that. Yeah. How we can avoid what what uh, Paul is talking about here, mm-hmm. and that kind of, in a sense, the cult of personality mm-hmm. um, that uh, that churches can live with. Um, I know. I mean, I know something that Ryan doesn't want. Oh gosh. <laughs> Ryan very yeah. much wants to to be a church of uh, that you say I follow Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so great, great book. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And I thought, man, fits so well. well. I have not read that yet, but I will put it on my list. There you go. I can't wait. There you go. Carolyn read it. She said she cried. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. I mean, I hope um, I hope crying with hope, but because there's things that are like, it's really sad um, in there too. And so, um, but some, some beautiful remedies and some great things. So anyway. Great. All right, everybody. Well, Ryan. Josh, it was fun. As it usual, was, it was. 
And uh, we got through a lot of questions. I'm so glad. Once again, always uh, questions at efcc.org. You can always um, message us on Facebook, write it in the chat. We'll do our best to get to them. And uh, and we'll be back here, Lord willing, next, next week, Wednesday, 3 o'clock. And uh, you can watch later, watch live. We love that. Um, or find us at Vitology at the Vitology Podcast of Emmanuel Faith. All right. All right, man. All right. God bless everybody. We'll see ya.